0: This is the Level Flight Podcast.
1: And welcome back for our tenth episode. Double of Double digits. Flight. We are back. I am always joined by Brian. Hello. And Elliot. Hey, hey. And um, yeah, we might as well get right into it. We're going to take more of a prospect-oriented angle in this in today's episode. Uh, there are games that we're going to talk about that we're going to get into uh, in a second here. But some of the players played in the World Juniors, some have been on the Moose the whole year, some are overseas or wherever. We're, we're not prospect experts, but we're, gonna, we're keeping tabs, and we're going to let you know what we think, um, how they're playing, what these players, like what their MO is, why the Jets drafted them in the first place, are they living up to their potential, stuff like that. So uh, stick around. Uh, after the game recaps, we will get into that. But let's start with those game recaps. Uh, last Friday, January 6th, The Jets defeat the Lightning 4-2. Friday night crowd, Tampa Bay. I mean, what a game.
0: Oh, it was a great game. Great win. Um, One of those situations where um, Tampa was missing a few guys. uh, Victor Hedman. I mean, Victor Hedman was one of the bigger ones. um, But it was one of those situations where they have that uh, that point where they're missing some guys. So if they lose, uh, it's whatever. If the Jets win – there's kind of like a, a caveat to that, but I think honestly that how that game shook out, that was just just a hard fought win.
1: Yeah, it was it was a good one. Um, the like you said, the Lightning were hurt, but it was still a good game. And this was in the midst of what is now over, but a big win streak for the Jets. They oh, yeah. they had won five straight, and this was another big one. This was a big test. Like yeah, they're missing players, but it's Tampa Bay, and they're going to be good, right? So uh, that was a big one. The return of Ealers. Schmidt, Perfetti, and Wheeler. Uh, I will say they did. The whole team looked rusty in the first period. It just rubbed off on everyone. It was a slow start, but they picked it up as the game went on, and they were fine. And then on Sunday, they filled the back of the net against the Canucks
2: and won seven four. Elliot, what did you think about that one? Uh, well, it, you look at the scoreline. and first, you go, <laughs> "Oh no!" Um, it was. I we would. It, it was kind of the opposite of what happened against. The Red Wings, and we'll talk about that in a minute But it was We'd score, and then the Canucks Would score, and then we'd score two And the Canucks would get one back, and so it was just This seesaw affair that Yes, it's good to know that we can Score seven, but You gotta, especially against the Canucks who are not A very good team in the Pacific, you gotta clamp down You just gotta say, okay Get one from JT Miller, get one from Somebody else, you just gotta clamp it And just seal the game right Then and there, early
0: uh, well, Kyle Connor, yeah, got uh, <laughs> yeah. got the hat trick there. Um, he actually almost had a hat trick in the first like twelve minutes of that game. Yeah. there was a chance with like eight minutes left in the first that it was like dangerously close. Um, I mean, I don't know the record. I should probably have looked this up, but the record for fastest hat trick in franchise history. But that has that has to be it, right? If that if that happened.
2: If not, it had to have been very close. Yeah. Um. I think Scott Billick mentioned something. I was I was out at the time, so I was just scrolling through Twitter, and I think he said it was between six or eight minutes, not the record, but th- that it would have been his hat trick. It was like oh, a six he, to if eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. If he had scored that one, it was it was like an eight minute gap or something. Something along the, it was six or eight minutes or something. It was just ridiculous.
1: And shout out to Pierre Luc Dubois for assists. Yeah. Um, great game from him. He's Really coming on as of late. That line of Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers has been dynamite. They've only played. Sweet
0: Lord, it is nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they've only played three games together, but oh my goodness, Uh, they give up quite a bit defensively, but they more than make up for it. At least that's what my eyes are telling me. Yeah, and then like you said, Elliot, basically the exact opposite happened when the Jets uh, took on the Red Wings, where the Jets seemed to be trailing the whole game, yet they were. Clearly the better team, and yeah. then th- I i feel like all seven of Detroit's goals, I know they weren't, but I feel like all seven were, the Jets were in their zone for two minutes, the Red Wings break the puck out on a two-on-one and score. Boom. Yeah. It, just like that. It felt like every single goal the Red Wings were scoring were exactly that way, and as a fan, that was a very frustrating game to watch because... Again, the Jets are clearly the better team in this game. You look at the deserve to win meter on Money Puck, and they're at, like, 76% or something of the expected goals. And it's just it's an uncharacteristic game from Hellebuck. And it really sucks because his his numbers are now going to look a lot worse than yeah. before that game. But uh, what did you guys think of this one? Just a, kind of a crapshoot.
0: Yeah, I uh, well, I was working... While I was, uh, because I I, I work remotely, so I'm I'm sit I sit under my TV, and whenever I would look up, there'd be another goal, um, and I would start getting excited because, uh, you know the Jets would climb back into it, and then as soon as they'd bring it within one, they'd give up another goal, um, I don't know if that's just a case of, uh, they feel accomplished, so therefore they feel the need like they don't have to be pressing like they were immediately beforehand. Uh, Because as soon as they'd go down two again, suddenly the tides would shift and they'd be in the wing zone for another two minutes. Yeah. Um, A lot of, I I will say though, there was a lot of just stupid mistakes too. Um, That five on three goal doesn't go in if Lowry takes the easy play. Yeah, Um, that one
1: was really frustrating.
0: That looked like someone trying to cheat for offense, which on a five on three you never do unless you are very very clear and and free there to actually go you don't try and chip it past the defender just so you can chase after it if you just wind up and fire it down the ice that goal probably doesn't happen mm-hmm. uh, and it's still a one goal game at that point
1: the the moment for me was when Eiler scored to start the third period very nice goal by the way yeah uh, I thought that was it I thought here it is Start the third period, you come out hot, you score 30 seconds in to bring it within one, and then, yeah, the Red Wings eventually win the game. Uh, just frustrating all around. But how about Nikolai Euler's five points in these last two games that we covered here three points against the Canucks, two against the Red Wings? I was told that he wasn't going to be the same after his injury, but I mean, <laughs> to, to be fair,
0: um, I'm just saying. I, I, with him, I don't think he's human. Yeah. Um, because for the most part, when you see guys, uh, go down with a, uh, with a sports hernia and they had the surgery, they come back. First of all, it's usually longer than when he was out. Mm-hmm. It felt like he was skating really quickly after a surgery. Uh, he came back and he was flying. Yeah. I mean, he lived up to his nickname. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting though, because somehow, even though he's looked unreal, um, there's still some questions surrounding him. I don't think there should be any more. You know what he's going to bring. You need to make sure he plays a lot and you need to make sure he's in the lineup. You have all of that now and you're starting to see what's happening. He's come back cold from an injury and is just looking phenomenal. Yeah. That says a lot about the player himself, not just like the team and everything where they put him. The player as, as its own entity there. Ehlers is just determined and he's just flat out
1: good you cannot deny it he's one of the most dynamic players in the entire nhl absolutely he it's on full display um it's glad i'm glad to have him back because he is one of the most fun players to watch and yeah. yeah uh we can now get into our prospect episode uh let's start with the the bunch that you know most recently we were exposed to at the world juniors uh, that would be Chaz Lucius, Rutger McGroity, Fabian Wagner, and Brad Lambert. Uh, let's start with the two Americans. We'll go to Lucius and Magrordi. Um Elliot, you can go ahead on Lucius or McGroity. Your pick.
2: Um, I I, I kind of want to talk about McGroity a little bit just because sure. he's the more recent draft. Not that he's just most of the most recent draft pick, but just because we've seen Lucius play with the most. We've talked about him a little bit more. Uh, McGroity. Sorry, I'm pulling up the notes. Wanna make sure I get all of this correct. Yeah. He is the six foot one center who does play the left wing. Or is it the left or right wing? It, he does he yes, yeah. it is the left wing. He will play the wing sometimes. I think that's only been with the US development team, I believe, when he was on the line with Cooley and Schnuggerud, I believe was the Maybe. I think I think yeah. that he's, was it.
0: He's dynamic. But. That's kind of why I I, th- I think a, a lot of the times you're gonna hear a lot of coaches talking very um, you know, favorably about him because he's someone who's very dynamic in terms of where he can play. Uh, even if he starts on a wing, he will sometimes cross over depending on what he sees. Um, and first of all, I just want to just go back and just say uh, a line of McGroarty,
2: Cooley, and Snuggerud.
0: Oh my, that is <laughs> yeah. disgusting. I, I was watching highlights
2: today and then I saw that he scored and I looked at the score line, and it was like, 10-2 US development team in like mid second period. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Anyway, so <laughs> typical game. Yeah. yeah Gordy plays for the Michigan Wolverines in the NCAA. Go blue. Um he's <laughs> six foot one, two hundred and five two hundred and five pounds. He's played twenty games so far this season, having eight goals and eleven assists for nineteen points. Now, we did mention that he played at the World Juniors. He did play seven games. He tallied a goal and six assists. Uh he to me I think is just he's going to be an offensive juggernaut. Um I think at any level obviously he'll have to graduate to the different levels, but I think that at any level once he gets accustomed to it he's going to be an offensive beast. He has great puck skills. His shot is some of the shots I I know they're just highlights, but like the highlight reel was 5 minutes and a lot of them were him walking into the zone, makes one move and fires one. Mm. Like that's that's higher echelon type Talent, yeah, and he he also does have really good vision. It's not just that he can shoot; he's really good at finding his teammates. Um, Another thing, he seems to be really good on the rush. As much as I would say, one of his weaknesses is his skating. Yeah, it's his. I was reading; it was in, I believe, an article that the Athletic made. Um, They actually mentioned, and I was watching for it as I was looking at the highlights. His form is not. Not as what the, where that teams want it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of unorthodox. And yes, it's getting him through at these lower levels, but there was a comment made, and I saw it in a bunch of other things as I was cross referencing my information that it was to the point where yes, it's going to get him through NCAA hockey and a lot, maybe through the AHL, but it might get exposed quite a bit at the NHL level, mm-hmm. in, unless he gets it fixed. But I still think that even though he's at this level. And he's doing this. I still think it's it's no doubt in my mind that his offensive upside is at an NHL level already. I think it's the other parts of his game that need to work on a little bit.
1: Yeah, and the skating is it's less of like you you see the build like he's a strong player. It's not like his legs are tiny and he can't push. You know, like it's just form, and that's correctable. And uh, once he gets NHL training and NHL. Uh, nutritionists and all that i think his skating is going to be just fine yeah um the one thing that i don't know if you guys saw this too in the world juniors when i was watching him i just thought he looked indecisive at times when he had the puck on a stick in the offensive zone like when he has his mind made up and he drives in the net and puts a shoulder down he is unstoppable because he's so strong uh but there are times where He's looking to move the puck, and then that form comes into play off the rush, the skating form, uh, and he's kind of off balance, and then he doesn't really know what to do, and then he turns the puck over, or it results in a dead play. I think if he's more decisive, and like we said, his skating improves, he will will fulfill the top six upside that he was drafted with. Well,
0: that's the thing, too, where I think already he's got that NHL tenacity in him where he's very physical and he's he's gonna you know give you his all on every shift and i think one of the biggest parts of his game is his efficiency Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna qualify that by saying efficient as a skater because he has to be because it's not (laughs) as you know strong as other parts of his game but he's efficient in how he sees the game but he can be as you were saying almost too efficient he's looking for that perfect Pass and he takes sometimes a little bit too long to figure out if that's where he wants to put it, and he loses the space, right? So, uh, But in terms of the skating, um, I saw uh, some, uh, something saying that he was efficient in terms of he knows when to cut back, he knows when to sort of ease off and sort of make room for other guys. Um, but I went and I was looking at some of the film, and when he's not the immediate forward picking up the forecheck, what he does is he does a little circle back move and gains a little bit of speed finding with sort of the anticipation of where the puck's going to go. It often wins him a lot of turnovers. If the puck is bobbled even slightly, there he is. Um, But sometimes it's just he's a little bit behind the play because he's looping back, right? So both a blessing and a curse sometimes with him. Um, So there's a lot to be worked on, and I think what's going to have to happen here is when he... Because uh, he's only a, he's only a freshman, yeah, yeah, and which he's putting up almost a point where game is a freshman. Uh, he's often forgot about on that team because Adam Fantilli is also a freshman, um, and you're also yeah. you've got uh, you got Luke Hughes on that team as well. So he's very much taking a back seat to their success. But don't get it twisted; he's a very good player. But I think he would benefit from getting some pro time with the Moose a little bit um, before he really gets a chance. But that could change too like in the off season like if he signs after his freshman year he could spend the entire off season working with the strength and conditioning team and having that as you were saying that NHL strength and conditioning uh is you know eons above anything they have in university and how even just how they they do it right yeah, so 100%. um that's definitely something to uh to watch going forward but no he i mean three of those assists from his tournament came in he got stronger throughout the tournament yeah um, but three of those came in the bronze medal game, um, where, uh... The Chaz Lucius th- game. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm using this as a bit of a lead-in here because, um, Chaz Lucius ended off his tournament with a bang.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, hat trick in the bronze medal game. One of the craziest bronze medal games I have ever watched in my life. Uh, he... It was one nothing after 1 and finished, what, 8-7 in overtime? <laughs> yeah, and then I think it was 1-0 in the Canada gold medal game, too, after 1, and I was like, oh, God. I mean, like, anything can happen. Like, that's yeah, just hockey. That's just how it works. It's just sometimes the goalies just feel like taking a day off, and that's what happened. And he he was injured coming into camp. We weren't sure if he was even going to play for the U.S., and... I think that plays in largely to him improving as the tournament went on, is he's also getting healthier as the tournament went on. And I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but I think Lucius had the best tournament out of all of the Jets prospects, better than McGrorty and Wagner and oh. especially Lambert. But oh we'll get into a- him. Absolutely.
0: But. Like I, I feel like obviously it's you could tear it, right? So yeah. you've got Lucius and McGroarty had really good
1: tournaments. Mm-hmm.
0: Lucius is a bit above McGroarty. Wagner had a very respectable tournament. Uh, a lot of people found out about him. Yeah. Um, a,
1: a, a few people in a particular. A few
0: people <laughs> uh, who maybe unintentionally forgot to include him in their prospect episode. Who would do that? Like, that's I don't just know. So I can't believe someone would not think about that. <laughs> that is just awful. Um, a and then uh, Lambert, who, uh, I'll be honest, uh, no, I'm not using the word lightly here. It was disappointing, incredibly yeah. disappointing. Um, but in terms of what we saw, though, it's hard to dispute that Lucius was, you know, not, you know, starring out there for his team.
1: Yeah, and you know, we don't have to go really in depth on Lucius. Uh, I said before in our World Junior preview that I wanted to see him with more space because I felt with the Moose, he has a great shot and he has great hands and great playmaking abilities, and he doesn't have the space in the AHL. But he took advantage of the space. Uh, Magrody and Lucius were a big part in the U.S. getting bronze. We can move on now to L- Brad Lambert, who I, I really hoped for a better tournament from him just because f- for the same reasons as Lucius, Lambert thrives in space, and in the AHL, obviously, there's less space than a junior tournament, but it just it didn't feel like he took advantage of that space, like, whatsoever. He's an amazing skater. He can make plays... Um, With the man advantage, his even strength play isn't really there yet. But he, what do you guys think? Because I I really was not thrilled.
0: Well, something, first of all, I'm going to quickly just go back to Lucius, uh, what we didn't mention, Uh, not returning to the Moose. Right, yes, Um, Portland. uh, Yeah, he was assigned to Portland, uh, the Winterhawks of the WHL, um, and I bring that up because it was also announced in the same tweet uh, <laughs> that Lambert is going to be joining the Seattle Thunderbirds. And at first, to start the season, I was of the mindset that having both in the AHL was the best because mm-hmm. um, in terms of what we saw in camp, it looked like they were, you know, possibly ready to take that jump and start competing against guys who are older and bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest, I mean, Lucius I, I was impressed with uh, in limited minutes in terms of what he was sort of coming along in his game because he had never played at that level before. Right. Um, but both Lucius and Lambert missed a ton of time this year with injuries and sickness and then the tournament and everything. So I think it's only right that they get a shot to play more hockey against guys their age. Um, but I mean, with Lambert, though, as you said, like he has the ability to be elite with what his skill set that he possesses. Um, I know a couple of years back in the tournament that he, uh, not the one that he started off really strong and that was cancelled, I think it was the summer one, where after the first game, he was effectively, you know, benched. Yeah. Um, A lot of that was reportedly to do with some effort level. He, I feel like, was not on in many situations in which they needed a goal. Uh, and it felt as if like there was a level of trust that was not there between the coach and him and part of me is wondering is this something that he still needs to learn?
1: Yeah because he's struggled in system play before and the the questions come defensively like you see the talent he's an uber talented player he's uh it's just it's it's a head scratcher because in a tournament like this after being drafted, you would hope that this would be, a coming out party of sorts where he he's had bad tournaments in the past or the summer one like you said but this would be the one where he he proves that he belongs but it it, it wasn't that and then uh, I have down here that I hope the WHL is a reset for him because he really needs more puck touches more confidence um, and more goals and assists and just yeah. more like just more because with the, with the moose he's he's getting put out there in good positions he's Playing on the power play, uh, but he's not the guy, right? And no. the WHL, he can he can dominate play. He can touch the puck a bunch. Uh, he can be the main guy on zone entries, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I really hope that he dominates that because if he s- keeps regressing, this could get concerning.
0: Well, that's the thing too. Like it's it's just the the track of it, right? So you want to see him build on good things. Like you thought that. He would build off of how good his preseason was,
1: right? But
2: yeah, I that's what that was my hope throughout this whole term. It was like, okay, I'm waiting to see like you saw the Jets and lots of people were tweeting about whenever Jets prospects were playing and that sort of thing. And you're like, okay, I'm waiting to see a Lambert tweet here, like even just like I'll I'll take an assist, I'll take a, <laughs> oh yeah, the night na- like a nice speedy zone entry, something along those lines. It just it never came, and so that was a little bit disappointing. But, like you both said, he's been dealing with injuries and sickness and that sort of thing. So, you hope, like you said, Connor, you hope this is a reset. My only yeah. question is, is how does this. Am, am I just clueless? But um, do I not know how players who either. Well, Lucius's case comes from the U.S. Development Program and Lambert comes from Finland. Is there some sort of like draft or rights thing to whenever they join they draft their rights if i'm not mistaken okay yeah. even when they're in th- that was my question was yeah. how did we get because like it's like okay lambert joins seattle and lucius is how now just on portland well yeah. yeah how did <laughs> yeah. we get there because yeah. and and that's a, the same point i know we saw lots of jet a couple jets prospects and lots of players get traded around i'm surprised that oh but i guess the deadline passed
1: yeah, it's it's done now. Well, yeah, yeah, but I
2: was just like you think that you hear about those players coming down, and you'd think with a couple hours left, GMs would try to trade for them. Because mm-hmm. I I don't know, I'm obviously not following the WHL this year, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure where Portland and Seattle are sitting. But I guess maybe worse teams, may be better for them, just because then they are for sure the guy.
1: I'm not following the WHL much either, but I'm pretty sure mm. Seattle is a wagon. No,
2: Seattle yeah. is
0: unreal.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like they
0: they have a legitimate shot to come out of the. Uh, the Dub is the uh, like the member of the Memorial Cup group. They've got a lot of uh, you know people trying to stop that. Um, there's been Price a included. you know a variety of uh, um, moves that have included you know 190 draft pick yeah. um You know guys <laughs> like uh, yeah. Olin Zellweger was traded to yeah. uh, was it Kamloops? Yeah. Uh, there's some really good teams this year, but. Seattle's up
2: there. Um, Sorry, I, I have it pulled up. Um, I will eat every single word that I said because Seattle is yeah. twenty-eight and six in first, and Portland is twenty-seven and six in second. So, so they're so, joining really good. So teams. yeah, they're already yeah. joining really good teams. Which winning culture? Yes, it's winning culture. And I will also say that yes, it's good for them to be on bad teams so that they touch the puck all the time. But it's also good for them to be on the good on good teams because a there's a chance that they win, and so they t- see the success of hey, if I put the time in, maybe we do this. And Or it's also just good because you're playing with better players, which means you don't have to worry about throwing a pass and the player fans on the shot, and you're like, oh, if I just had somebody else better on my line or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, they'll have every opportunity. Uh, Fabian Wagner, the last of the, last but not least, we should say, of the World Junior Group, uh, played for Sweden, had two goals and four assists. Uh, what did you guys make of his tournament? I thought this was obviously my first exposure to watching him, like, uh, like him and McGroarty, I guess. Uh, I thought he looked good. I mean, for a six-round pick, you don't really expect much, but what did you guys make of it?
0: Um, what I saw was a guy who uh, plays smart. Um, he's not imposing by any means. Uh, he uh, has moments where you know you can see a level of really good playmaking. Yeah. Um, you can tell he's also still very raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and that shows because he's played uh, in the two uh, leagues in Sweden this year, you've got the the Swedish league and then the Swedish junior league for, I mean, each team has their own junior affiliate. Um, In the junior league, he's got five goals and nine assists in 16 games. He does not have a point in 17 games, uh, you know, in the actual elevated league. That being said, I know a lot of the times uh, there's a certain level of, we have the young guys up and they vowed to go with the veterans, so it's hard to tell his opportunity. Uh, it's not exactly easy to you know find all of the uh, the content on you know the especially the smaller clubs in uh, in the Swedish league. But um, yeah. it's a situation where you can tell he's doing really well against the guys in his own age group. It's just a matter of what he needs to take that next step, right? So his passing is something that could help elevate that. Uh, you can cover up a lot of uh, deficiencies if you know how to pass really well. Um, but the issue is, is much like what we were saying with McGroerty, you cannot be perfect every time. You just have to make the smart play. So uh, I think, uh, like all young players, they're trying to be perfect. Um, they're trying to make that star play. I think you just have to simplify the game. And I think that's something that Wagner... Uh, can do for sure mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. it's nice though that uh, uh, there's someone that we can sort of look to as oh maybe we didn't know about him beforehand let's keep track on him because
1: you know this could be a situation where he gains some confidence exactly yeah um, if you have anything to say on Wagner
2: just he, he's hard he seems to be a hard worker yeah so I think that as much as we like to say oh he's a sixth round pick he's probably quite raw I think him being a quote unquote underrated prospect seems to go in his favor because it seems to be that he just doesn't care and I'm just gonna work <laughs> super hard and like he, he has good speed too, like in terms of um I think that will add to his passing, just mm-hmm. because if he's got some speed, add passing, I think that'll be good for him. Now, my other thing was going to be I couldn't find this out. I can't tell if he's currently up with the the SHL team or if he's down mm-hmm. in the junior league. Um, if you look at elite prospects or any other place, it shows the junior league and then the uh, then the professional league. And normally right. that does mean that he's up with the professional league, which could be a good sign because then that means that they think that he has some potential, which means he's going to get some ice time. Yeah. But if if that's not in the right order, and he's playing with the junior league. That's fine too. Like he, I think at this point where he's just raw, he just needs to develop, get some ice time, keep playing, and just off ice stuff, just keep working hard
1: yeah and obviously this is touching on just player development as a whole but you obviously want you'd rather have your players playing or at least me personally i would rather have my prospects playing in a junior league on the top line putting up tons of points rather than in the professional league on the fourth line putting up no points playing eight minutes a night right yeah i i just you go you want your guys to play so i really hope he is in the junior league like you said Um, but hopefully, if if he is up, it's a sign of things to come. Uh, Now, we're going to move on to some guys that weren't on the national stage. Um, They are U20, all the players that we're going to talk about under 20 years old, Um, but they they don't get the recognition that those guys got because obviously they weren't playing for their countries, and it wasn't on TSN, and it wasn't on winter break when everyone is watching. So let's start off with Dimitri Kuzman. Brian, take it away.
0: Yeah, so uh, 19-year-old defenseman playing for Flint of the OHL. Um, he's got uh, 34 points in 37 games, so on the surface level there alone, really good. Mm-hmm. Very um, good. <laughs> in terms of what we know about him is that he's very smart at the point, right? So um, he'll join the rush, um, but he also, when the puck is in the zone, he's really good at making sure that it stays there. Um, so this is a situation where... Um, his zone defense in terms of up top comes from a lot of when he has the puck because he's really good at not giving it to the other team.
1: Yeah. Uh, Elliot,
2: what do you see from Kuzman? Um He, I think that, like, his speed is something that I think adds a lot to his game. Um, he has a goal-scoring touch as well, which I think is yeah. f- quite vital, but he uses it in a way that opens him up for the passes. because I don't think he's an amazing passer, but what he does is... He showed other teams that, hey, I'll jump up in the rush, and I'm going to... uh, If you give me a chance to shoot the puck, I'll shoot the puck. And so teams are worried about him shooting, because he does have a pretty good shot. And so that's how he gets a bunch of his assists, is because he's coming in the rush, or... Obviously, puck goes back to the point, and instead of shooting shooting it, he'll find an open teammate as teams are collapsing, trying to block a shot or trying to give a goalie a lane to see the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think that his his ability to move the puck I, just seems to be already at an elite level, at least as you're watching games as he's playing in the OHL.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder like when slash if he's ever going to be able to crack the Jets lineup. I assume at some point he'll be with the Moose, and I'm really excited for that day because I want to see if his puck moving abilities transfer uh, like a Declan Chisholm, like a Ville Hainala, like all these puck moving defensemen that the Jets have in their system. If they can add another one, they'll just be the best puck moving team from the back end in AHL history. So <laughs>
0: It'll be real good.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll now move on to uh, another 19-year-old forward, Danny Zilkin. Elliot, take it away.
2: Yeah, Jokin is a six foot one, one hundred and ninety six pound center playing for now the Kitchener Rangers as he was traded about a week ago. Uh, he's played so for the two teams this season through twenty eight games with both fourteen goals, fourteen assists for twenty eight points. Um, we saw when he was up at camp with the Jets. He is fast, yeah. And it, this, and I have to say, I understand this is the game now, but that seems to be a, a trend with all the Jets prospects. Mm-hmm. I we've mentioned speed a lot, and I think that's good for the way the, the game is going. Um, he's a very quick and accurate shot. I think that is his uh, biggest asset. I he has he is his passing is there. It shows some flashes, but I think like him and McGroarty. I would say, I know they play a little bit differently because McGrorty's not as fast, but I just think that both in the offensive end, one, McGrorty kind of utilizes his shot and his passing. Zilkin's more about speed and shooting instead of trying to make a play otherwise as a complete forward in the offensive zone.
0: Well, that's the thing too, though. Like Not only that, he seems very responsible too in terms of, what he's actually giving up when he's on the ice too like when he's creating if something's not going right he's not going to just you know hang back in the offensive zone he's he's going to be back on the back he's you know all in on making sure that he helps the team right so um his whole thing I find is with great anticipation um he's really good at figuring out what plays he has to make almost before they happen Mm -hmm. um and that helps the scoring ability right so Uh, his, you know, key to his scoring is his deception a little bit because he's really good at possibly getting in behind defenders or alongside them where he can sort of beat them with his body position uh, by either shot faking or his body position. He's really good at um, making it so he gets the upper hand fairly quickly because either he's going to try and wire it past you or he's going to make the right play
1: to one of his teammates. Yeah, and watching him at camp in the one-on-one drills when he's blowing by people, that's the offensive side. That's the flashy stuff that he's great at. He's super fast. He's got great hands. But the two-way game is something that much smarter people than I have said is a big asset of his game. Like Scott Wheeler has really hammered this home um, of the athletic. He's great with his scouting reports and all that. But Danny Jilkin, he's a future two-way center, And he's got middle six to top six upside. And before the draft started, so this is an unbiased take at the time, uh, I did my own little rankings of the top however many 50, 60 prospects. And I had Jilkin in my late 30s, I believe. And the Jets got him at what, like 72? 77. 77, yeah. Real good. They got really, in my opinion, they got really good value there. I honestly think he was an early second round pick. And I could not believe that he slid that far. And... His season this year has uh, given me no reason to derail from that ranking that I gave him. Well, that's the
0: thing. I, I really hope in the next uh, year or so to see him in Winnipeg uh, playing for you know one of the two uh, mm-hmm. you know pro teams here. So um, I want to see how his uh, two way game excels uh, at even like an AHL level uh, initially, because I think that he's going to play a big part of this growing core that's moving through uh, the moose right now uh, where you got a lot of young guys who are starting to really find their game. um, And I think that he'll, you know, possibly play a good role in being a stabilizing but young player to come in. Um, And, you know, just before we move on here, I just want to remind everyone to uh, go back to last week's episode, episode nine, uh, and, uh, you know, have a quick listen to our piece on Jilkin's uh, vision, which is an initiative uh, that himself and his uh, uh, partner have, um, you know, come together and, you know, really wanting to address uh, uh, mental health and sports. So it's a great initiative. Definitely go back and listen. We talked more about it uh, last week. So uh, go listen to episode nine. Uh, we'll let you do that now and then you can come back. <laughs> come back. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something that, uh, as I, I, I said this last week as well, um, but what we want to do is make sure that um, both uh, Danny and Lauren know that they have the support from the fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, definitely, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. Especially once they make their way to uh, uh, to Winnipeg, um, they're gonna, you know, obviously want to you know keep growing that. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for that and uh, go listen to more about that. And you can also uh, check out their website, Jilkins uh, Vision.
1: Yeah, it's a great shout there. We we talked. Uh, Much more in-depth on the last episode. So if you want to go check that out, definitely do it. Uh, Great cause. We can now move on to Nikita Chibrikov. We're getting into the more obscure prospects, I'll say. Um, Chibrikov and Salaminson, who we're going to talk about. And Garrett Brown, I guess, uh, fourth-round pick. These ones are, like, Jilkin was just drafted. Uh, Kuzman, if you've been paying attention, has kind of been lighting it up. These ones are more off-the-radar. So what do you guys see? We'll start with you, Brian.
0: Um, I've done a little bit of looking into Chibrikov because he's one of those guys that you draft and then he goes and, you know, vanishes into the KHL for a bit. And especially as of late, uh, it's been a little bit harder to keep tabs on that. Um, He's been bouncing around the various leagues in Russia right now, um, spending time in the KHL, the VHL, which is the Russian second league uh, and the MHL, which is their uh, junior league. Um, what you're seeing here is very similar to what we were talking about with Wagner is the bulk of his success comes against players his own age. Uh, so you're finding that he's, uh, in 13 games, uh, in the second league, he's got seven points in five games in the junior league. He's got 13 points. Uh, he doesn't, uh, have any goals, but he does have one assist in the KHL this uh, year in 21 games, but... Uh, The production is limited, similar to the uh, situation what we're talking about in Sweden. There's a lot that happens where we do wonder how much ice time a guy is getting. Um, But for him, uh, you can tell, though, that he really does thrive in the the lower leagues as well. So it'd be interesting to see if he can take that step because he's, you know, a very he can be very fast. He's got a lot of skill um, and his transition game is something that a lot of teams uh, will definitely like. So, uh, obviously, that's something that the Jets liked as well. So, anything with a transition forward uh, who can play fast is going to be an asset
2: to a team. You want to go, Elliot? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to touch again on his puck skills. Those, the, He mm-hmm. is really good when the puck is on his stick. I think you're maybe a little bit worried when it's not, just because that seems to be, like, that's his M.O. Is, okay, I'm going to beat a couple guys, I'm going to make a couple moves and try to either create with the puck to either try to score or most likely to create to try to pass. Um, I think his vision is already at an above-average level, and I I just think he competes well, too, for his size at 5'10", 172. He just, like, you, you would assume that He's probably like as fast as he is you'd think that he probably gets knocked over like no it's 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 a fi- like he's still quite built I think that like we've mentioned with a couple other guys that I think an NHL weight room and diet would help him a little bit more mm-hmm. just to try to fill him out a little bit but um, yeah I just I think he's I, he's one of the most interesting prospects to me little quick note I will say if he comes over I would actually like to see him play with Jilkin um, mm. as a as a with the moose just yeah. to see how that would work. Um, I was thinking that as I was writing up my notes but yeah
1: yeah those two play styles could definitely work well together uh, you guys have touched on most of it but really good edge work uh, I think he makes really good reads off the rush offensively and thou those are skills that are huge in the NHL you know you need good edges you need to make good reads off the rush this is a rush league uh, the avalanche were the best like one of the best teams off the rush last year and they won the cup so yeah um, This is where the NHL is going, and uh, if he can develop in a few years, like most of these prospects, uh, if they can reach their full potential, the Jets will be in a good spot. Absolutely. Uh, These next two that we're going to talk about are 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, So a bit younger than the ones that we've touched on who have been 19. These guys have got a year to go to catch up to the players we've talked to already. Um, Two right-handed defensemen. Uh, We'll start with Garrett Brown, uh, 18 years old. uh, Sioux City Musketeers, right-handed defenseman six three what do you see Brian?
0: Uh, with him it's still uh, as we've said with a lot of it still quite raw um, but he does have you know you know half a point per game right now uh, as a defenseman so um, he's gonna be going to the University of Denver uh, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on because Denver's hockey program's very good <laughs> um, but no he's uh, he's six three so he's not small by any means um, you know plays with skill though he's not one of those guys that's big so therefore, uh, his skill level isn't going to be on par with the other you know players he's very skilled uh, he's very smart too so you're gonna see a lot of really good breakout passes um you know th- really good at sort of making those plays that help uh, you know the offense gain room before he actually makes them so uh, that's definitely something that uh, you know most teams are working around. Um, that's kind of how the way they, the game is going now a lot of uh, skilled players on the back end who know how to pass so yeah uh, that's definitely his game.
1: Yeah, and he's, like you said, he's big. He plays with skill. I will say uh, there are prospects when you get into the later rounds that in, when you search their name up, like Garrett Brown, I have not seen a negative scouting report on him, which is kind of odd because he was like a fourth round pick. So yeah. if if he's a 6'3 right-handed D with all this skill and uh, ability to make plays, he he would obviously go higher, especially as a right-shot defenseman. Those come at a premium, especially in last year's draft. The Jets took two. But uh, I just I, – I search up Garrett Brown's scouting report because, admittedly, I haven't watched him this year. And all of it says that he's a 6'3". He skates really well. He plays with skill. And I believe those things. But it's just like at that point, he's the best prospect we have in the system If those if all those things are true to their potential, right? So – you got to be wary of scouting reports when you get kind of this deep in the draft because, like, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Like reporters like Scott Wheeler aren't really going deep in depth on Garrett Brown. Like it's you might a, be able to find something. It's a surface level. It's sort a of. surface level. Like this is what he's good at. Boom. That's it. They don't really cover any weaknesses. Exactly. Uh, so you have to be wary of that. But I. Yeah, I, I do agree
2: that big defender, right hand, plays with skill. Like, there's potential there. Yeah, there, there is definitely potential there. I think that, um, yeah, I funny you mentioned looking for scouting reports. It was a Leafs Nation article. I saw that they were talking about <laughs> which seventh round defense they should take. Um, but, yeah, just looking even just at this player card from last season, it was a lot about in playing in transition and in the offensive zone. Yeah. Um, so at 6'3, he's not really going to get moved around too much. So I think that that will play into his strengths. But yeah, I, I think that if there's not much about him, then you may not that you have to take what people are saying with a grain of salt, but you kind of have to think about, okay, this is what they're saying. This is the best of what he is at yeah. his best. What is he? I'm assuming that it's a very step down as soon as he's not playing Waller there's a matchup that isn't favorable for Just
1: him. temper expectations when you read about stuff like that. Because it's like, well, obviously, Garrett Brown could become a top-pairing defenseman. That's within the range of outcomes. He could become the next Eric Carlson. Or yeah, the yeah. next, like I don't know, the next great And grade. Brian would be very happy with <laughs> that. <laughs> no, like, he could, but it's like, that's obviously not very realistic to expect. Um, but, yeah, great skater. Elias Salaminson, uh I'm noticing a bit of a theme here with the good skating uh, label for all of these defensemen because yeah. Elias Samu- Salomonson, that's very tough. He might be one of the best skaters in the entire prospect pool for the Jets, especially yeah. on the defensive end. Uh, he's great. He moves well, uh, forward and back. I mean, some defensemen, they join the rush really well, but they can't skate backwards. Um, <laughs> uh, he's a great puck mover. He's sounds w- like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a great puck mover, uh, which is on par with basically everything we've said about every defenseman, there's really a theme here. Like, the scouts are really targeting certain defenders. And I just think he needs more reps. You know, he's 18. He'll get a lot of those reps. Um, and, yeah, I think I think he moves the puck well under pressure. And he'll do well at higher levels.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a situation where, uh, as you mentioned, the ability to use his skating on both the offensive and defensive end is massive. Uh, and I read a scouting report on... Uh, elite prospects that essentially said that he is so good on his feet that even if someone beats him, he's usually going to recover before anything happens. Yeah. That is ridiculous to hear about yeah. <laughs> uh, an 18-year-old, you know, just that you sort of picked out of obscurity a little. Um, it's just the fact that that skating alone makes him such an asset to any team. Yeah, like it's it's just you look forward to it and I just want to see it more regularly. I'd be curious to see how that adapts to the smaller ice. Um I that being said, I don't you know think we'll see him for at least a couple of years. Yeah. I think he'll yeah. probably be, you know, playing over in Sweden for a couple more, but uh when we do, I I'm, I'm interested in seeing that.
2: Yeah, okay. I, I think that his skating's gonna be huge. I think the I think the reason why the Jets are targeting all these players is because they've looked at their own defensive core and previous defensive cores and gone, oh, we don't really have a lot of guys that can skate. Like, when you when we mentioned Garrett Brown, I know he's four inches shorter, but he's a big defender at 6'3". Well, when you think 6'3 in the Jets organization, you think Logan Stanley or somebody that's tall hey, and scary. Sk- Maybe 6'7". Six, he's 6'8". Six Come on, get Is him. he 6'8"? He's 6'8". Or is he 6 I, seven? I'm sorry, but I don't care oh. how tall he is. Oh, he goodness. still can't gotta skate. Settle this right now. I, I have to say <laughs> how tall I, is Logan Stanley. Anybody on Twitter can I I don't care what people have to say <laughs> on Twitter, I'm gonna say it. You can all cry about it in the comments. I would I know I I'm I'm just saying this as a joke. I bet I could probably beat Logan Stanley in a skate in, in a race. Okay, no, no, okay. <laughs> okay. All Whoa. right. I'm j ju- I am i am I'm being facetious, but I'm just trying to say that he like I think that the Jets have noticed that defensemen with skating ability is i think the most important thing to them i think they're worried about the other hockey skills later yeah i think I, especially with their late round prospects they've just decided that you can skate yep you're coming off the board we're drafting, you. We're, we're drafting yeah. you done but it's it's also the way the game is going with speed and yeah it's been a trend you i mentioned it, you mentioned connor mentioned it like it, it's just trend in skating ability
1: logan stanley is six seven
0: Okay,
2: I was closer.
1: You want to know why? I said six. I, is it because you, of Twitter? Yes. Because every time Logan Stanley would make a bad play and Hanelo would be in the press box or whatever, my timeline would be flooded with Logan Stanley is six seven and you nothing right. else. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've seen that tweet enough times to engrave that into my brain. Yeah, that, that, he sh- is six, that, that
0: checks out. Um, I will say, though, if for some odd reason, uh, Logan Stanley, if you're listening to this, Elliot
2: challenges you to a skate. I, I will actually I Bros would actually Jones. do it. I know I would probably lose, but I would I, actually I, no, I, 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 I would, would be a fair loser about it and actually try. And if I lost, I lost and I would say, Well, I got to skate against an NHL or whatever.
1: No, not probably. Like you I was would. gonna say you could drop like, the probably.
2: <laughs> Listen,
0: he might not be uh, you know, fleet of foot, but he's still skating in the NHL. So That is fair. Uh and that's and I will say uh, what I'll give him some credit. Uh, this year, I feel like what the rest of the coaching staff has done is identified that he's not fleet of foot, uh, and uh, he's actually made better plays in terms of you know getting the puck away faster uh, rather than trying to you know skate it up and something bad happens. Uh, and up until his injury. Was
1: playing better than what he had in the past. The best hockey of his career. Yeah. And, and yeah. I will say,
2: if Logan Stanley, you are listening, I'm, i you have actually improved as a skater. It's it's just like. You're gonna you drop know. you at some point. Yeah. You're gonna see him in the street. Yeah. And he's, yeah. He'll punch me. He'll know.
0: But that's okay. Just wait until <laughs> we have okay. the video pod. Then he'll have your face. Yeah. yeah he'll exactly. know.
1: Coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Uh, those are the prospects that aren't really on the jet stage you know they're either here or there i mean lambert and lucius that was 30 minutes ago that we talked about them but they're they were on the moose but these players that are overseas you know it's it's good to bring awareness to them like because they are doing their thing They're, they're playing well and uh they could be the jets of tomorrow so it's good to talk about them and speaking of the jets of tomorrow the moose have always been uh kind of the main development program for the Jets. uh, Being situated in the same arena really helps for that. Um, But we're going to touch on some Moose prospects because uh, obviously Lambert and Lucius have left, but there are still about five or six prospects here that are developing and their careers are in flux um, as we speak. So we're going to start with Declan Chisholm and Leon Gavanka who are often paired together. They were paired together almost all of last season, but this season they've split them up a bit. Um, especially since Hanalo went up they've really tried to spread out the talent on that decor but let's just do let's do this quick because we're already at uh, 50-ish minutes so uh, we, we what know you everyone we, we've got
0: we know that you've got things to do so exactly <laughs> um uh, firstly I just want to say um, Chisholm especially uh, we received uh, a request from uh, uh, right. real Kevin chevellet off on Twitter which Kevin, I feel like you should know more about your prospects. <laughs> he wants to know. Yeah, You, you know, should have tiered your own prospects already. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i honored honored the the real Kevin Chevalier the audience. Uh, but no, uh, in seriousness, uh, he was wondering um, if it's, you know, why is he right that uh, <laughs> um, Chisholm should be thought of as the best sort of defensive prospect now that is in the system? And to be honest with you, it's hard to dispute it.
1: I would have disputed it going into this season, but I think has overtaken him. Like, up until this year, I would have said Chisholm is better than Hanela, but I think... Chisholm... I don't know. I I, I feel like he's Hanela, but a bit bigger and a bit stronger on his edges. Um, But Hanela has kind of made some big strides in that few NHL games that we've seen, and obviously we've only seen Chisholm play, what, like one game in the NHL in his entire career, so it's hard to really judge that, but... Uh both Gavanka and Chisholm, their <laughs> analytics at are at a premium in the AHL. I mean, like there are just there's just nothing out there. But there is game score. So I'm going off yeah. that. Uh Gavanka and Chisholm are at around 0. 0.55 game score per game. And Hanela in his AHL games is at 0. 0.82. Yeah. So if you're going off of the one kind of advanced ish metric in the AHL, Hanela is a step above those two. I think up until this year, Chisholm and Hainala were neck and neck, but I think has pulled ahead a little bit. But I can see the argument because Chisholm is a very special player. He's got a lot of Morrissey in his game. Well, at the AHL level, I should say. But he dances at the blue line, and he makes a lot of defenders or forwards, I guess, wingers miss. And that's that's a huge asset. So I can see where the appeal is coming from, but I still lean Hainala.
2: Yeah, Declan Chisholm is a special player. I think that at some point we will see him up with the Jets. I, I would hope, hope so. I would hope so. Um I hope we don't have the same have the same conversation we had with about Hainala at the start of the season. But, yeah, he is... But Chisholm is older, so it's even yeah.
1: more of a conversation. Yeah. Well, it's
0: also, we're seeing what we've talked about several times already, is that there's a log jam, right? So, where's he going to go? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's literally half the defensive group has to get
2: hurt for some of these guys to get in, so... yeah, Well, yeah, the Hainala would not have had a chance this year if multiple guys hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah. So, no, but... Declan Chisholm is a very special player. I'm not t- like obviously I know who Leon Gavanka is. I'm not too versed into his game, but he shoots yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, which he's, is which I like for my defenseman. That's yeah. just a personal preference. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: he moves the puck okay. Uh, he's really good on the power play. Like you said, he shoots a lot, but it seems like he always makes the right play. Like when he shoots, he's supposed to, or when he passes, he's supposed to. It always seems like he's he's in the right headspace on the power play at least.
2: His hockey IQ is yes, high. Yes,
1: it, it's there for sure. And um,
0: with him though he's now 23 mm-hmm. uh, and no longer waivers eligible.
1: Yes, and I believe Chisholm is next year for that. Yeah, so, so this
0: is big coming up here.
1: Yeah, there are some decisions to be made. Yep. Uh, Simon Lundmark, another defenseman, right-handed. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I'm i going to quote me and Dave Manuk of Illegal Curves sit in the press box for the majority of the Moose games, but he told me once that he sees a lot of DeMello. Well, not a lot, but a lot of DeMello in Lundmark's game um, to the point where obviously DeMello is probably the ceiling for Lundmark and who he can become as a player because DeMello is, in my opinion, a legit top-pairing guy. But that's at least the style of hockey that he's trying to play. And he he's trying to make short exit passes, make good reads defensively, and tie up sticks in front and make that his living. And it's pretty clear that that's what he's trying to do. Um, it can burn him at times, but I think that there's like low pairing NHL potential there. Like again, there's a logjam, so he's not going to go in over Schmidt, Hanila, Sandberg, Chisholm. I'd even put Gavanko over him. Oh yeah, for but sure. But there, ha- there just hasn't been enough strides this year, at least, for me to say that he's going to be an NHL defenseman at some point. Yeah. But in the AHL, he's he's playing DeMello's style for sure.
0: And that, because of that, it seems like he's slightly behind his age class. He's twenty two, and he's playing uh, still a little uncertain at times. Yeah. Um. But he's also he's not flashy,
1: so it's hard to really get right. a lot. Right. Right. And he doesn't jump up into the rush, so yep. it's his his money making comes from tying up sticks and making reads defensively, and that's hard to kind of quantify in a sense because. You see Gavanka, Chisholm, and Hanala all finish the game with three assists, and Lanmark has zero. And you're like, well, what the heck? But it's the same thing with DeMello in the NHL, right? So there's definitely some similarities there. I'd say that's his absolute ceiling. I don't even think he could reach that uh, point, but. Who knows? You know, 22s, um, there, there's time there. But he's going to have to make some big strides soon. It may, um,
2: it may be that he gets his NHL opportunity, just not with maybe. the Jets. Yeah. It, it, that, that just may be the case once you start getting further down the logjam. That, yeah. th- th- and that's just the reality, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Tyrell Bauer, last defenseman here that we're going to talk about on the Moose. Um, he's big. He hits. He's tough. Fights <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. lot. Um, I think he's a really good penalty killer. But outside of that, I don't really see much there um i think he's really valuable to the moose but this is the yeah. jets podcast and we're talking about the jets of tomorrow um but he's he's great on the moose he's he brings a lot of energy and is a good penalty color, like i said uh two forwards here that are prospects younger that we're going to talk about uh daniel Torgerson, who was a second round pick and henry Nikkinen, who i believe was a fourth round pick um both playing big roles on the moose this year
0: yeah and torgersen Captured the hearts of many uh, in the preseason. He <laughs> yeah. had a, a couple goals, so um, he is someone who gets to the the areas you need to score. But it seems like the goals don't come in bunches like you think they would. Um, he currently only has seven points in twenty nine games the season. He's not really producing too much. He's been getting you know fairly elevated once in a while, but I find that with the way that the Moose run their lineup, there's kind of equal opportunity for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um obviously Connor would know more about that. He's in the press box most games. <laughs> but uh with uh Torgerson, uh he's big, he skates well, uh very strong. Um and I f- think if he works on his finishing a little and just knowing exactly where he needs to be putting the puck, uh could actually I, I think he's got some, you know, bottom six uh, you know, four checking Morgan Barron uh, type. Morgan Barron. Um it, I think that's good. Nikanen I'm not a hundred percent sure on. Um but he's made some strides this season. I will say that, like, yeah. in his limited action last year, I was uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. He seems like there is definitely some stuff there. Definitely like a you know a four checker, um, occasionally puts up a point type of guy. He's not gonna you know break the stat sheet or anything, but uh, he works hard. Big body. Definitely one of those. I I, I think that Torgerson is the superior prospect, but in terms of what they offer at this exact moment, it's very, very similar based on their their profile.
1: Yeah. I wrote down here that they'll both have games where they're super noticeable and physical and working below the goal lines, and that's what their MO is. And then there'll be games where the forecheck just isn't working, the puck isn't bouncing their way, and at that point, they're not really effective because their main strength is forechecking and getting that puck to more skilled players that. Um, like you said, Torgerson's finishing isn't really there, so he's got to get it to a player where it is there, right? Um, like an yep. Alex Limoges or whoever he might be playing with. The Moose lines are all over the place, but they have games where they're super noticeable because the 4-check really can wear a team down. They're just not really there yet. Um, I think this year in the AHL is really helping them, though, in their development. Uh, they, w- I think they'd both benefit from having really skilled line mates like an Alex Limoges, like... Um, Jeff Malott, to an extent, like he's a yeah. bigger player, but he's got skill. Um, Even like a Greg Morellas or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, players like that. I would say Chaz Lucius, but he's <laughs> he's no longer there. Goodbye, um, my friend. Yeah, uh, those are those are kind of the players um, that are that are younger on the Moose. I mean, like Hanal has been up and down. We've talked about yeah, him if, plenty on this podcast. If Hanal wasn't already on
0: the NHL roster right now, and you know it, he was going to get a game in Detroit there, but right, uh, he was sick, so uh, lost out on that. But um, in terms of players that we actually want to, you know, really sort of keep an eye on, these are the ones that stood out. Obviously, there's going to be ones that are a little bit more obscure, people want to hear more about. Right. Um, but then there's also the fact that there are several uh, goalies in yeah. the system right now. We're going to do this very quick hitter just because we're running very close to an hour uh, and uh, we uh, we know that goalies are voodoo, so we don't want to go too deep <laughs> into this because it could be ch- different by tomorrow. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, the Moose uh, rolling still with the tandem of Arvid Holm and Oskari Selmanen. Uh, Holm is doing much better this year. Yeah, he um, really is. Yeah, he had an 877 save percentage last season. Uh, that tandem of him and Burden was nightmarish. Um, but, no, he uh, his biggest issue I found, and I watched a lot of his games last season, he overcommitted a lot, lost mm-hmm. net a lot. Uh, he seems to have really worked on his movement to ensure he doesn't just fire out of the crease whenever there's like
1: a cross and pass
2: Yeah, Freddie Anderson
1: yeah I. Uh, what I've seen from home in relation to last year is I, I think last year and even early this year you could argue that he would let in a goal in the first ten minutes of the game and that would really rattle him or he would turn the puck over when he's playing it around the net and that they would go in and he would be in flux for the rest of the game and just kind of fighting it this year it seems he's really <laughs> worked on that mental battle and he's become a lot stronger in that aspect. And he wouldn't really the snowfall wouldn't begin after a goal or two, right? Um Salmanin is really weird to me because I'm obviously like goalies are the hardest thing to scout in professional sports, but I he was so good to start the season. Like the first his first eight starts he was a top five goalie in the nhl like or NHL. sorry wow (laughs) expectations (laughs) whoa uh was a top five goalie in the ahl without a doubt and now he's regressed back to an eight six and two record uh he's got an almost 900 save percentage so he's still there but he was far cry from when it started yeah he was at one point like a 925 save percentage he was top five in game score again that's the only analytic i can go off of but whatever uh he, it it's really interesting to see because, like you said five minutes ago, goalies are voodoo, and this is what they do: is goalies get hot and then they don't, and we're lucky to have Connor Hellebuck with the Jets because more yeah. often than not he's hot. So it's uh, it's kind of a, a crapshoot after the Moose goalies. I mean, they they drafted Devin Chentis in the seventh round of the most recent draft. You you mentioned Burden. Um, there's Logan Neaton, 2019 fifth rounder, and Jared Moe, 2018 sixth rounder. A I, lot of late round picks there.
0: I think if we're looking at most sort of intriguing, I think you have to look at both uh, Jared Moe and uh, Dominic mm-hmm. Um Mo is a 2018 sixth rounder, so he's he's up there in age now. Uh, but that's kind of just how it goes with goaltenders. Yeah. Um, he's playing at Wisconsin right now. Uh, he's got 9-12 save percentage through 19 games. Um haven't watched much uh, Big Ten hockey this year uh, but by the looks of things uh, despite having a fairly respectable uh, you know stat line uh, not getting the wins and I'm assuming that means that he's not getting any sort of goal support um, yeah but with him uh, I think that I mean' he's, he's big um, he's 64 know, uh, he's agile limits his rebounds um, which is always a good thing especially for a young goalie. Um, he's someone who uh, uh, who's getting to a point where if he's going to turn pro, it's going to be soon. Yeah. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, and a little bit, you know, further from that is the very young but very impressive Dominic
1: DiVincentis. Yeah. We saw him in camp, and he was very impressive, like you said. Uh, he moves really well. Like, he, he's very mobile goaltender. Um, North Bay in the OHL is the team he plays for. Twenty six and zero with a nine zero five save percentage. Um, yeah, I, there's well, not... let me just twenty six and yeah. zero. Twenty with it sounded yeah, like you said twenty six no, and zero. Like oh my, not, lo- yeah, he's not undefeated. Let's yeah. I mean, hey, Salmon is a top five goal in the NHL. Devan is undefeated. Like we got some great prospects here. <laughs> No. <laughs> Mike have the best prospect yeah. pool. Yeah. No. Ship Hellbuck out. There's not enough room. There's a log jam in net. Anyways. Um he's he's a very loud goalie. He's got a lot of Marc Andre Fleury. You know, he's flying across the crease, he's here, he's there. But he seems structured enough for a seventh round goaltender. And uh, also who's you know, was just drafted last season. Like yeah. It's not like he's
0: uh he's had a few years to really hone in his skills. Um he obviously as a young goalie has a lot to work on, but Uh, At this level, and also he looked really good in camp. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's something that I think he, in terms of raw skill, um, might have the best outlook as a future Mm -hmm. Jets goalie. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we've said, goalies are weird Um, because like one injury for a goalie because they're obviously the most vulnerable to you know pulling something, Mm -hmm. uh, it could derail everything. So we're hoping that obviously that's not the case. Yeah, but it's hard to predict where a goalie is going to go but for someone who was picked only last year to look as solid uh you know in the the action he has um
2: I'm quite excited for Devan D- Chantas I think it's also that goalies picked in the later rounds are also even more like volatile mm-hmm. to being prone to up and down play um and of course the Jets have Hellebuck. they're not going to go they're not going to be the preds and go out and <laughs> draft Yuroslav Askarov or a goalie prospect in the first or second round. Well, hey, you gotta Easy.
1: replace UC Sarov somehow
2: in the prime of his career. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's like I hate to take this jab at you, Brian, but that's like drafting Jordan Love when you still have Aaron Rodgers. But <laughs> that's okay. No, we're we're not going there. <laughs> we're not gonna go there. The season's over. Um, but yeah, For some like, teams. Okay, yeah, um, go ahead. <laughs> thanks. The two of us both have teams. The not in Indianapolis the Colts. Hey, Elliot. We, I don't think we're going to have a head coach next year. Oh, I can't wait to watch the Niners on Saturday. Anyways, this has gone a- anyway, off the yeah. rails. No, <laughs> completely no, off the rails. This is
0: not some... Yeah, we
2: have to... you know We're on to football, which yeah. means we have to yeah. wrap it yeah. yeah. up. <laughs> to end my point was just that you're not going to see the Jets be drafting a goalie prospect. Right. And so anybody that we talk about is kind of just a late-round pick that they've selected in the last couple of years that's actually getting game time. And that's and that's about it.
1: Yeah, and Devin Chentis had a really good... I forget the name of that rookie tournament
2: that is held. Oh, in uh, Penticton? Yes.
1: He he played really good there. Uh, those are obviously for his age. So you'd like to see that. And, yeah, there's not really much else to say. We've said everything we needed to say about the goaltending. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode because prospects is a little bit of a different angle. You know, we usually, up until this point, besides the World Junior episode where we only talked about the four, we kind of just talk about what's happening with the Jets right now. But – we like looking into the future too, and if there's anything, if there's anyone you miss that you want us to talk about on the next episode, like what happened with Fabian Wagner that one time, but if there's someone we missed, um, let us know because we like talking about prospects, um, and we want to do it more. So let us know.
0: Well, that's the thing too, we're gonna we're gonna have that, uh, and um, with this recording coming out Thursday morning, uh, we're gonna have uh, the Sabres game on Thursday. Uh, they're visiting uh, the Penguins on the Friday, so it's a back-to-back there. And they're back home uh, for a game against the Coyotes, yeah, uh, for a, a Sunday evening uh, game. And then they're they're back out on the Tuesday uh, against uh, Montreal. Uh, and then um, we should have the other episode out before they face the Leafs. Yeah, Ooh, the <laughs> um, Leafs. <laughs> but it's a it's a very tough stretch coming up. Not purely based on opponent, because I think there's a lot of winnable games coming up here, uh, but in terms of pace because there, you've got a
1: back-to-back and then a game every other night so yeah and it looks as though we're gonna have a pretty consistent schedule uh for our episodes we're gonna be posting mainly thursdays now yeah um our school schedules kind of put us in a in a bind that we have to record on on wednesdays so hey we're not gonna complain this is a great studio
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah so. it's uh, it's currently uh so wednesday late afternoon so Uh, in terms of what we've recorded because it's normally in the mornings for us uh, this is after hours
2: yes exactly late night well I mean it's not really late night and not after hours I mean in 25 minutes we gotta go to class oh yeah
1: (laughs) that's right we should wrap up anyway we should (laughs) wrap up
2: oh I have to edit
0: after this too (laughs) oh that's gonna be a late night
1: ooh All right. well thank you everyone for listening Uh, we hope you enjoyed the prospect episode we really enjoyed doing it and researching and doing all the stuff that it took to to get here um let us know if there's anyone you miss, like I said. And from Brian, Elliot, and myself, uh, thank you for listening. Go Jets. Go
0: Jets.
2: Go Jets.
0: You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.